0: We'll read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. Beginning at Hebrews eleven twenty-three, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses... as seeing him who is invisible. Moses employed here what nowadays we might call a cost-benefit analysis. He assessed the risks, he evaluated the potential benefits, and weighed the options, and made a decision. We do that unwittingly, every day. You decide whether or not to have that piece of pie. And evaluate the benefit of the taste. If it's a pie you like, if it's one you don't care for, then that's no problem. But you you assess the risk in terms of health, and the condition of your arteries, including how old you are. We do that, Uh, those who who, uh, choose to exercise a certain amount every day, they, they evaluate the benefits of that and consider what they would otherwise be doing during that time. I think that's called opportunity cost. You do it when you buy a car what are the advantages and disadvantages, the pros and the cons? Maybe I should keep the old car and uh, estimate how much it will cost to maintain it versus buying a newer one or a brand new one and evaluate how long it will take to re- recover the cost over the lifetime that you deem is, is reasonable. Well, every, every decision is not economic along those lines. Before Debbie and I got married, I had a motorcycle and we were setting up the apartment where we would leave, where we would uh, live after the the wedding. And there was a decision to make. She wasn't wild about the motorcycle and I uh, wasn't wild about spending a lot of time at the laundromat. So the motorcycle went and a washer and dryer came and that was uh, evaluated Considering the benefits and taking into account the risks. As I thought of this, I thought of the testimony of of Bill Cripps. You've heard about from time to time. Some of his descendants are here. But a paper came his way or his mother's way in the Midwest. Uh, She read the paper and taught him that there was a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. He would testify about that. So he evaluated the options which were, in his words, two places, one of two places everyone's going, he said. Either hell, where there is fire and brimstone throughout all eternity, or heaven, where there are streets of gold and a beautiful city whose builder and maker is God. And so he said, I begin to count the cost. That's a cost-benefit analysis. And he said, if I gained the world, lived to be 100 years old, without an ache or a pain of any kind, but landed in hell, that would not be so good. On the other hand, he said, if I had nothing in this life, barely got by, but entered into that beautiful city, that would be, that would be a good thing. So his conclusion was, heaven is cheap at any cost. And that's our conclusion today. I'm not uh, suggesting that you will hardly get by. You may or may not. But uh, the outcome is what we are interested in. And uh, in in our case, that outcome that we want is to walk those streets of gold in heaven above. Moses had an advantage. Uh, we, We read of his parents' faith in verse 23 of Hebrews 11. We also read of it in Exodus, and Stephen preached it in Acts 7. But by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. His parents were not afraid of of the of Pharaoh's commandment. He, uh, as a result, was placed into the river, the same river where newborns were being cast so that they would be destroyed at the edict of Pharaoh because the children of Israel were multiplying in number and Pharaoh was concerned that before long they would uh, overcome and conquer the land of Egypt, which ironically they ended up doing uh, generations later. But that same river, Moses' parents uh, understood that they were taking some risk but they also saw the benefits. And it was a fearless decision. You know, if you want to minimize fear in this life, serve God. It's not only heaven at the end, it's a fearlessness of faithfully following God. Whatever the cost, uh, we know that the outcome will be favorable if we serve God. And in that, uh, there's no fear. Well, they they placed the baby where Pharaoh's daughter uh, came to bathe, having faith in God that the child would be preserved. And sure enough, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh saw saw the baby uh, shortly and took him to be her own child. Miriam was standing close by Moses' older sister, He also had an older brother, Aaron, and Miriam made haste to go to the daughter of Pharaoh and uh, offered to find a woman of the Israelites to nurse the child. And of course, that woman was Moses' mother. And Moses had an opportunity, I guess, in the king's palace to bring up Moses and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And what, what she taught is what... Moses later taught the children of Israel. There's one God. Fear him. That's what Moses said. And uh, thou shalt teach these commandments. God revealed to Moses to disclose to the children of Israel. Diligently unto thy children. Talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. When thou walkest by the way. When thou liest down. And when thou risest up. So little Moses grew up. Understanding the... Uh, possibilities and and the blessings of serving the God of heaven. If you want those under your your influence to serve God, show by example that he is the center of your everyday life. It's not so much what we tell people, it's how we live before people. And we practice that in our homes and amongst our relatives. These uh, little ones grow up. Debbie testifies of observing her aunts and her uncles and her grandparents when things were uh, a bit in upheaval uh, during some of her growing up years. And she uh, saw only a few who did not serve God, who stood in contrast to the many who did serve God, and she understood very, very young that that is what she wanted, and so it is. It wasn't so much uh, what she heard, the words of her mouth, or the words of the mouths around her. It's what she observed with her young eyes, and then as she grew up and determined to serve God. We want home environments where the Lord really is the the center, and uh, every decision that we make in life, the little ones around us will observe that we make those decisions prayerfully. They won't forget it. In verse 24: We see by faith Moses. Well, it's no surprise that he had faith. His parents modeled it. Particularly, I suppose I'm not sure what influence his his father had. while his mother nurtured him and, and brought him up in the, in the court, or at least nearby. But that faith was the product of his heritage. Faith is, is passed along. It's not inherited. We inherit carnality from the first parents, Adam and Eve. But that faith is transmitted from generation to generation, and everyone has the opportunity to choose, choose God. So when Moses was grown, we read in Exodus, uh, he went out unto his brethren and looked upon their burdens. He, in, in verse 24, in Hebrews 11, by faith, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of, of Pharaoh's daughter. And we heard in Stephen's uh, a sermon that Moses saw an Egyptian trying to slay one of, one of his people. So he intervened and saved the Israelite at the cost of the life of the Egyptian. For he supposed, I like that, Moses supposed. You know, it doesn't pay to suppose, because what you suppose may not be what is in fact the, the case. But he supposed that the children of Israel would understand, and particularly that individual, how that God had called him to deliver uh, his people out of the land of Egypt. Well, he supposed wrong. He felt the, the call of God all right. And in his heart, he said, I can do this. But he couldn't. And it took 40 years for him to get to the place where he said, I can't do this. But God could do it. And God did it. So if God does it, it's unright. If we do it, we interfere with, with God's um, plans and intentions. But anyway, it, it came into his heart to visit his people. How did they know they were His people? Well, his mother taught them, taught him so, that uh, His people were oppressed, they were in bondage. They had a bitterness of, of spirit. They, they cried unto the Lord that, that God might send a deliverer. Moses' mother had a feeling that her child was the one. I suppose every parent has some sense that their child is special and perhaps has a special calling. And, and every mother who feels that way is right because each child has a special calling and that calling is to serve God you can't do any better than that uh, to love the lord with all of your heart soul mind and strength that's what moses mother taught him and that's what every mother and father uh, is inspired to teach every child as well it's a it's a special calling the uh, in some in, in peter and in, in exodus as well i believe uh, God called his people a, a peculiar people, which in that uh, modern-day word is seems odd, or means we would think it to mean odd. Well, if you're serving God, the world will consider you to be odd and peculiar because you have determined to separate yourself from the world, and that is odd. We want that, but God views it as special. And uh, I realize that word is used differently nowadays too. But either way, to serve God is the, is the direction that we want to go because we want to make heaven our home and we want to be able to live within the grace of God as we journey through this this land. Well, when he was come to years, it, he, he had a decision to make. We see that in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And preceding that, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing does not come independent of refusing. When we choose to serve God, even if it's almost simultaneously, it's a product of refusing to follow the world. In order to turn our face toward God, we must turn our back from sin. So Moses had, well, he, he wouldn't have called it that, but employed the cost benefit analysis. He, he looked out at his people in bondage, making bricks without straw. And making bricks with straw was no picnic. They were whipped. They were beaten. They had tasked master, masters, uh, over them. And he saw that. So that, that was the risk. But he evaluated the benefits, and in the short term, there, there wasn't much to see in the way of benefits, but there's something to see long term. He, he picked up on that uh, as as did he, and it wasn 't just a flippant uh, decision. it was premeditated, it, it was thoughtful, it was deliberate. And that seems to be a description of uh, the character of Moses as he uh, journeyed through life the next 80 years. There there was a time or two where he showed a passion and some fire in his bones, but for the most part, uh, he was thoughtful, he was deliberate, uh, he evaluated, and he made declarations as to what thus set the Lord. But here in refusing we might look at that you mean you mean you're going to walk away from the power the pleasure the treasures of the palace he would have had to assess that are you going to walk away from your friends from some of your relatives, Jesus said that He He didn't come to send a peace on the earth, but, but there would be division mother against daughter and father against son. And throughout families. And there on one hand is, is unity as we serve God, but at, at some point there's there's division. Of course, Jesus' intention is that we make heaven. All men did not speak highly of Him. Had only a few regarded Him as the Son of God He was, He would never, they would never have allowed Him to be crucified. But when Peter suggested that, He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savorest not the things that be of, of God. So, he had a plan, but uh, Jesus was our example and he lived a life of separation. Moses was already learned in all the wisdom of Egypt, mighty in words and in deeds. He excelled academically, it sounds like, and uh, the sense is also militarily. He was regarded highly in the court. If you had a problem, go to Moses. He'll solve it. He had a future. Walk away from that. Well, he didn't fit. He didn't belong. He wasn't happy within God had spoken to him. God speaks to us as individuals. I hope that God is speaking to some heart today. He is because God speaks through his word. God calls us to do a cost-benefit analysis. What will it cost you to continue on the path that you are walking if that's not a path serving God or if that's not a path anything but perhaps partly serving God, but God reaches in and, and wants something out of your life, well, what, what's the risk of holding on to that? What's the benefit of releasing it to Him? Well, it didn't belong. and And for Him to make a, a decision to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter uh demanded that he make a decisive break and and walk away from that in order to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God but he, his focus wasn't on the affliction his his focus was on the reward afterward you know I've been corresponding last uh, many days with with a, a man in Pakistan and who who's has interest and is is embracing the, the apostolic faith way and so today uh, actually they're hours ahead of us but I made contact with the sister Diana in India after describing to the man that we have a team in India right now and uh, asked or he requested uh, through the process of, of all of this that they hold a, a, a remote meeting with him. And so uh, they did that. And I received a message from Sister Deanna that 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 took place, two meetings in fact, one with the family. And she was just elated, uh, set aside the, the, the success that you can read about in World Reports, and I hope you read those reports. We don't make a big to-do about it uh, uh, publicly, uh, apart from the written reports, but apart from the success of those India meetings, she uh, wrote that she had had two meetings with this family actually in Pakistan. And that's the first meeting, and just was elated at the mother of this young man, a, a God-fearing woman in her in her initial uh, assessment of it, and the whole family, and then subsequently uh, with the the man's church. And then later, uh, not too long before church uh, began, I received a message from uh, this young man in Pakistan. And he also is elated and told uh, in detail what transpired uh, throughout the meeting and how the different ones testified and the word of the Lord uh, was delivered. And he he had 70 adults and 20 children uh, um, present there in Pakistan. and. reports uh of, of converts uh, right along but if if i were to uh, suggest to one of you that you should go to pakistan and follow up on this what would your response be well pakistan may be calling who knows but uh I wouldn't ask someone to go where I wasn't willing to go myself. I will say that. Uh, but we have a long ways to go before uh, all of that evolves in the Lord. But do some research on Christianity in Pakistan. And it is what your initial impression probably w- was already when I even uh, made reference to it, that uh, Christianity is hardly exists in Pakistan. And what does exist is hardly evangelical. Perhaps one half of 1% of, of all the people. And and yet, that's the field white unto harvest. But what the thought that occurred to me in refusing and choosing is that it is so easy in America to refuse the world and choose God compared to in some parts of india in all parts of india and in pakistan and afghanistan and those surrounding countries where so few christians exist and to uh, refuse what does exist is to do so at peril at great peril and what what do you do here Why there's an invitation song. There are testimonies. There are family members who are saved. You're surrounded by those who are saved. Why you just simply uh, come to the place of prayer, drop to your knees, ask the Lord into your heart, turn from your sins, uh, even if it's somewhat casually, which won't work, by the way. But uh, the opportunity is so simple. It wasn't simple for Moses. He had to walk away from the palace. Walk away from pleasure and treasure and instead embrace something that is not appealing at all in the short term. And that's true of serving the devil today. Any he, uh, he uh, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Why we hold on to what we hold on to for a season. It's temporary. Uh, any gratification that does exist will is going to be short-lived. And go back to Bill Cripps in light of eternity. What shall a man profit if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? Well, we want to choose God. There, there is a certain reproach that could be translated stigma that comes of serving God. Yeah, you will. And not be viewed favorably in many circles in this old world, uh, particularly with our uh, students, young adults, college, and but go out into the uh, occupational world as well. No, you're you're expected just toe the line, come along, uh, don't 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 resist. Uh, anything goes. All viewpoints are embraced, except one. And that's true Christianity. Well, maybe we'll just kind of massage it a little bit and and, uh, adapt to to, to the world so that we don't uh, stick out and uh, get rid of that stigma. Well, what the world wants is the real thing. What you want is the real thing. We we refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We're not a child of the world. We would rather suffer affliction uh, with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season because we uh, have uh, great respect to the recompense of reward. I can't find it, though I'm looking right at it. We look to heaven. That's what we want. God is calling today. No man can serve two masters. It's it's more... uh, then choosing it's more than choosing it's also a declaration we, we can't slip into this and think well no nobody will know you can't hide it there's no closet christian you either have it or you don't and if you have it it's going to show and that's true that god uh, demands loyalty and in all of life uh, loyalty is revealed we we may try to hide it or uh, be indecisive that's what politicians do they don't give a clear answer so that they can be on either side of the uh, issue in order to betray voters into thinking they're getting what they're not not getting and trying to get them all at the same time not so with with christianity not so with loyalty uh, to christ we must make the choice and then, by the grace of God, declare it. We declare it, if we don't declare it verbally, we would declare it by our actions. God is calling today. If you haven't begun to serve God yet, by all means, start today. And if you're uh, wavering a bit in your faith, embrace the Lord, serve Him. God will bless you for it.